Well, hello everybody, and it is so great to be joining you for your conference. Um, I so wish I could be there in person. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, um, I've visited you guys a couple of times now, but it was many years ago now. And uh, for the last couple of years, I've tried to get out to be with you. Last year, I was hoping to come and then I had to have a hysterectomy. And then this year, I was hoping to come and... Covid happened, so so sad that I can't be with you. Or really wish I could be, but also really excited to be able to speak to you and to share what God's put on my heart for you all, and um, just really trusting that God is going to use it and that He's going to meet with you very powerfully. Um, just to give you a bit of information about who I am, I, I'm based in Bedford in the UK and um, part of the King's Arms Church. I've been here actually for a long time. I moved here in 1996 to train as a teacher. And I've worked for the church over many years now and um, in a bit of a transition se uh, season at the moment where I've just dropped, dropped some hours at the church so that I can respond to God. He's talking to me about the nations and travel and adventure and trusting him with money and all that fun stuff. So, um, yeah, waiting to see what God's going to do. I'm uh, 42 and I'm single and that was never the dream uh, when I was younger, but I absolutely love being single. I know that it's a gift from God to me. And uh, I just love that I get to have a precious relationship with him um, because, because of my singleness. And, um, and uh, I don't have any kids, but I do have a beautiful niece who's just turned six and two amazing godchildren. One of them lives in Seattle in America and one of them lives here in Bedford. So I am hugely blessed. And as I said, it's great to be with you today. And I, I just want to talk to you today about one of my favourite subjects, actually. And I want to talk to you about um, the truth about our identity. And, you know, the, the truth is that scripture is packed full of incredible, mind-blowing truths about who we now are because we're in Christ. We are completely new people. Uh, but I've experienced uh, in my own life and as I travel around that the enemy is on a mission to lie to us about who we are because he knows if we really grasped who God says we are now that we're in Christ, we would be a force to be reckoned with. And so he is not on a mission to lie to us about who we are. He loves to uh, lie to us so that we hide, so that we stay quiet, um, so that we shrink back. Whereas the truth is we are actually called to be the light of the world. I don't know if you realise that, you are called to be the light of the world. Jesus said of himself, I'm the light of the world. And then he said later on, you are the light of the world. In other words, you're meant to be seen. Your life is meant to be seen. You are meant to say what's in your heart. You're meant to do great exploits for Jesus, no matter what that looks like. You're meant, we're, we're all meant to say yes to him and step into the destiny he's got for us. Why? So that our lives point to him. I don't know about you, but I want people to look at my life and think, there's no way she, she's going to be able to do that on her own. There must be a God. That's what I want. And that's what it means to be the light of the world, that people look at us and see what we step into and see um, the favour on our lives and watch us living our lives with God and think to themselves, there has to be a God uh, for that person to step into that. So that's what I'm longing for. And as I said, the enemy is on a mission to lie to us about our identity and uh, for me, I don't know what it's for you, for me, one of the biggest battles that I've had to wrestle through is uh, around being a mum and not being a mum. And it's one of the biggest errors the enemies lie to me about. I remember um, a few years ago now when I turned 40, I uh, was just processing with God and I was just thinking through my life and thinking, have I got any regrets from my life? 
And uh, I wasn't expecting this to come up, but suddenly I was sideswiped with the grief of never having children. And I remember processing with God and just expressing some of that pain and grieving. And um, as I was grieving, I, I thought ahead to the fact that I'd been put on the church rota to speak on Mother's Day in the March. And this was in, this was in October. And suddenly the thought came to me, you really shouldn't preach on Mother's Day. You'd, you, you'd be a fraud to speak on Mother's Day because you don't know what it's like to be a mum. You wouldn't know what you're talking about. That's the thought that popped into my head. Now, I realised that the enemy was trying to have a go. The challenge when the enemy lies to us is that often there's an element of truth to the lie. And so you've got to sift out what the enemy is trying to do. Because the truth is, obviously, I don't know what it's like to be a mum. I've never had children. But the conclusion that I would be a fraud to speak on Mother's Day was a load of rubbish. Now, I didn't know that instantly because it was attached to all the pain. So I had to speak to friends and get them to speak truth to me. And what I ended up doing was I ended up unraveling the lie. And this is what I mean by that. I thought to myself, why would the enemy want me to think I'd be a fraud to preach on Mother's Day? Well, because he doesn't want me to preach. And then I thought, why doesn't the enemy want me to preach? And I thought, well, probably because I've got some important things to say. And then I thought, well, what am I going to do then? And I thought, I am going to preach on Mother's Day. And so I did. And it, uh, it went well. It, it definitely wasn't straightforward or easy, but God was very, very kind. The interesting thing about the lies the enemy tells us is if you're savvy, you can unravel the lies and actually work out some of what you're called to. So that's just, that's just a freebie right there. I know many people who are called to sing, for example. The biggest lie they wrestle with is that they have their voice, to do with their voice. They haven't got a good voice. And so you can actually track the themes of the enemy, the themes of the lies of the enemy that he tells you and work out, actually, I think I'm called to do that because the truth is, I know I'm called to be a mum. And what the lie did was it made me want to shrink back. It made me want to hide. Whereas the truth is, I am called to step into being a mum to many people, not just in this nation, but in the nations of the world. So I want to talk to us about the truth about who we are. And I'm trusting that as I speak, um, God's going to impart stuff to you. Uh, this stuff is going to be familiar, but I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit would really breathe on it and that you would feel life coming in the room as I speak out this truth. You know, in 2, 2 Corinthians 5.17, there's a very familiar passage. The Apostle Paul says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In another translation, it says, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Now, in the Greek, there are two words for new. Firstly, neos, which means new in time, that which is recent, lately or just now. So in other words, like a new year or a new baby. The other Greek word for new is kainos. And kainos means new in nature, the very first of its kind. New in kind and in contrast to what previously existed, taking the place of what existed before. Now, the Greek word that Paul uses for new in 2 Corinthians is kainos. And what that tells us is this. The minute we said yes to Jesus, we were made completely new people with brand new DNA and a completely new identity. 
the old us wasn't just meshed together with the new with the new stuff and we kind of were a mesh of both both things the scripture says the minute you say yes to Jesus you are totally transformed with a brand new identity it's like you're the first of your kind you're brand new with a brand new identity and the tr- the, the tricky thing for us is the reality is that our brand new identity is secure, it's true, it's real. It's, it's, it's the reality right now for each one of us that we have brand new identities. The tricky thing is, is our minds catching up with the truth. And that's the journey we have to go on, is the process of renewing our minds. Paul said, didn't he? Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. By changing how you think about God and about yourself. And that is the challenge. The battle is in the mind because it takes effort and intentionality to shift what we what we believe and what we think. So let's just have a look and see, are we thinking about ourselves in the way that God thinks about us? Are we living in the truth of scripture? Because when we live in the truth of scripture, our behaviour changes, the way we speak changes, the way we um, say yes to God changes, it basically impacts everything. So I want to look at how does our old nature that we used to have compare to who we now are and our new nature. So let's look at a few truths together. Number one, in our old nature, we used to be orphans. In our new nature, we are daughters. We are daughters. Romans 8 verse 14 to 17 says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We have been adopted into God's family. God is now our dad, and we are now his dearly loved daughters. And that changes everything. And if you got nothing else from this talk, that truth would be enough to set you up for the rest of your life. We are, son, we are daughters of the God of the universe. He is our father and it changes everything. It, it means that we get to relate to God as our father. I mean, there's a, and there's a difference between knowing God as our father as information and actually knowing God as a father in how you interact with him. We need revelation from the Holy Spirit to help us with this. But we get to relate to God as father and realise that he is good and perfect and kind and that he is pursuing us with his love and that he's full of compassion, that he wants to be generous with us, that he is a lavish father. He's not reluctant in any way to bless us, that he wants to give us good gifts, that he's our protector and our provider. He's our father and we get to be his daughters. And that's amazing. Under our new nature, we also get to know Jesus as our older brother. He is our older brother. That's nuts. Have you ever spent any time thinking about that truth, that Jesus is your older brother? That we, like him, we are heirs of God. We are co-heirs with Christ. We get to inherit the same as what Jesus inherits. It's crazy, but it's true. And also, we are dearly loved daughters. 
and that changes everything it brings security and joy and hope and peace and you know when you know you're, you're a daughter you realize you don't have to prove anything and you know you can step into all that God's called you to and you can you can get something wrong and not beat yourself up because you know you're still loved and you can get something really right and get a word of knowledge right or succeed and not fall into pride because you know it's all about him it's all because of his grace and when you know that you're a daughter you can serve in the background and empty bins and not be seen for the stuff you're doing because you know he sees and he rewards you but you can also say yes to being on a stage and you can say yes to succeeding publicly because you know that when you do that you get to give glory to him too it changes everything i remember years and years ago spending time with god in my bedroom and uh, i was feeling very frustrated about um, my position in the church if i'm honest and i was a single woman and uh, uh, with a leadership gift and I couldn't really see many role models around for me to look at and to watch and um, I was saying to God, God what's my trajectory? What title am I meant to have? I don't know if I'm allowed to be that. Can I be this? And I was just asking God loads of questions and God said to me very clearly in that moment, he said, Wendy, the only title I want you to focus on is daughter. I want you to learn to be my daughter and everything else I will work out but your main job is to be my daughter and I've and I've done that ever since and God has been so kind and so good and he has opened up so many doors for me to step into what he's called me to so we are dearly loved daughters second thing under our old nature we were slaves to sin in our new nature we are dead to sin we're slaves to righteousness Romans 6 18 now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Romans 6, 11, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is amazing. The definition of a slave is a person who is the legal property of another and is forced to obey them. So before we said yes to Jesus, we were legal properties of the enemy and forced to obey him. We were slaves to sin. Our natural default was to dishonor God, was to please ourselves, was to be selfish and to sin. That's what we did naturally. But the minute we said yes to Jesus, that old nature died. And we came back to life with a brand new nature as slaves to righteousness. In other words, we are now hardwired to want to please and honour God with our lives. We don't want to sin anymore. Now, am I saying we never sin? I'm not saying that. We do sometimes sin, but it's not in our nature to sin anymore. Scripture actually teaches us to consider ourselves dead to sin. That's, that's pretty final. Is that how you think about yourself, that you're dead to sin? We, we, are, we, we, we do not, we, our, our default position is not to sin anymore. Our default position is to want to honour him, to love him, to pursue him, to live our lives so that he is glorified. And that is amazing. I just want to say, if you are struggling in a particular area of sin or you're discipling someone who's struggling in a particular area of sin, I just want to say this. 
The best way you can help them to get free is not to focus on the sin. Don't focus on the behavior you're trying to change. Focus on the truth, which is this. You're dead to sin. You're actually dead to sin. That thing does not have slavery over you anymore. You are powerful. You are free. And you can make a choice to step free from that because you are a slave to him now and wanting to please him. And so the best thing to do is to look yourself in the mirror and just speak over yourself. You're dead to sin. It's only a matter of time before I'm free. Also, under our old nature, we were separated from God. But in our new nature, we have intimacy with God. James 4 verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. John 17 verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and you loved them, even as you loved me. I mean, this is just such a mystery. We were once separated from God, but now we have been brought near so close with such intimacy that scripture describes us as being in Christ. He's in us, we're in him, he's in God, God's in us. I mean, it's just a mystery, but the truth is we are close. He is close to us and we can come to him whenever, whatever's going on and we can come with confidence and we can know precious intimacy with our Father because of what Jesus did on the cross. Are you enjoying intimacy with God? Are you feeling him close to you? It's available for each one of us. Our old nature, in our old nature we were guilty. Under our new nature, we're completely forgiven. Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And Isaiah 1, verse 18, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Colossians 1, verse 22, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. You and I are completely forgiven, not just for the sins that we have committed in the past, but also any sin that we're going to commit for the rest of our lives. We are completely forgiven. We are washed clean. We are sparkling. We are free from accusation and we can enter right into the presence of God because of that. It is amazing. And you know what the, tr the amazing truth is? That God keeps no record of wrongs. That when we come to him and we repent and confess our sin, we repent. He keeps no record of wrongs. I remember a friend of mine who had messed up in a particular area and he went to God to repent. He confessed what happened and he said, Father, I'm so sorry. And just spent some time with God. And then later in the day, he started to feel guilty again. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. He, he started to feel guilty again. So he thought, oh, I better just come back to God and say sorry again. So he came to God and he got on his knees and he said, Father, I just want to come and confess this thing to you again. I, I really am truly sorry. And he said God kind of stopped him mid-sentence and said to him, what are you talking about? And my friend said to God, you know, that thing that I did that I came and talked to you about earlier. And, and the father said to him, I don't know what you're talking about. And he suddenly had a revelation in that moment. He keeps no record of wrongs. That is actually true. That is not just something that's nice and fluffy to put on a fridge, on a magnet to encourage us. It's the truth.
Love keeps no record of wrongs. That's what God's like. We are completely forgiven. And sometimes the hardest thing for us is to choose to forgive ourselves, to release ourselves, to not beat ourselves up, but to forgive ourselves because Jesus has forgiven us. When we hold on to unforgiveness of ourselves, it's like we're saying to Jesus, actually, Jesus, what you did on the cross wasn't quite good enough. I need to beat myself up a bit and punish myself. We've got to repent of that. If you are harboring unforgiveness towards yourself, you've got to repent. You've got to say, Father, I am sorry that I am not, I haven't forgiven myself. I realise that that is actually pride. And I just thank you, Jesus, that you have forgiven me. And so because you have forgiven me, I'm going to forgive me. We are completely forgiven. Just a couple more. In our old nature, we had a heart of stone. Whereas in our new nature, we have been given a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. I love this promise. You know, before Jesus, before the spirit, the people of God had to try and live up to what he wanted them to do through an external law. So the law was written down externally and the people had all sorts of things to have to do, sacrifices, different regulations to follow in order to please him and honour him. Because of Jesus, because of the Spirit, God has now written the law on our hearts. In other words, he has put a desire within us to follow him, to do the stuff he wants us to do. It's an internal motivation now and that changes everything. Do you know, the other thing I love about the fact that our hearts are hearts of flesh is to do with the fact that it means that we get to feel deeply. We get to feel emotion and we get to look like our father in that respect because he is an emotional God. You know, a massive part of doing the stuff that Jesus did and stepping into our calling is feeling compassion. Jesus was often moved with compassion. It's what motivated him to heal people and to, and to multiply food and whatever. It was because of what he felt in his heart. And the fact that we have hearts of flesh mean that we can connect with that, that we can feel what he feels, that we can be moved with compassion and motivated with love in our hearts for the people in front of us to tell them about Jesus. And I don't know about you and where you're at on the spectrum of emotion, but I used to be very shut down. I was never really taught how to be emotional as a, as a child. And I remember being very shut down and I remember reading about Jesus and thinking, I think there's something wrong with my heart here. I'm, I'm sure I should be feeling more. And so I just went on a personal journey of saying, Father, I just pray, would you connect my heart with your heart? I want to feel what you feel. In fact, I'm still praying that prayer to this day because I know there's always more. And uh, God has been so faithful. God has been so kind uh, I really, I now feel pretty deeply about stuff. I, I will get emotional about different things. I'm trying to learn how to feel and express anger in a healthy way. Um, and it's been a brilliant journey to go on because not only has it made me feel more alive on the inside, but it's also enabled me to connect to God with in a way that feels more alive, but also to connect to other people and love other people in the way that he loves them. So we have now been given hearts of flesh and whether you feel like you have or not that is the truth and sometimes it just takes our minds to catch up and God to do a little bit of work in our hearts to catch up with that reality.
And lastly, in our old nature, we lived according to the flesh, but now we're full of the spirit. Romans 8 verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Isn't that amazing? Thus, the Holy Spirit, the spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives in us. I don't know if you've grasped that before. I think we can be very blasé about this. Oh yeah, I'm full of the spirit. We've got to just stop for a minute and think, hang on a minute, we're talking about God living inside of us. If we talk about being full of the spirit and we're not like, what? You know, if we're not like blown away by that truth, then we've missed it. Because what the Bible tells us is because of what Christ has done for us, the spirit of God, God himself takes up residence inside of us. That is amazing. Not only does he want to live inside of us, he wants to flow through us like a river. He wants to flow through us to impact the world around us. You know, when you understand that you are full of the spirit, your expectation goes through the roof. You realize that wherever you go, he goes. You realize that when you pray for someone, God's presence wants to flow through you to impact them. I remember praying for a lady once in a church I was at and uh, I just walked up to her and I, I thought, I just, I just know you need some freedom. And I walked up to her and put my hand on her shoulder and pretty quickly she started to manifest and she got massively and beautifully set, set free from a spiritual stronghold. I knew something was going to happen. Why? Because I know God lives inside of me. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me and he wants to flow through me. And the truth is nothing is impossible for God, which means I can also step into situations that seem impossible and see God's kingdom come. And the same is true for you. Do you realize who you have living inside of you? God himself. And so there are so many truths we could unpack more than I've already looked at about who we, who we now are because we're in Christ, because of our brand new identity. As I said at the beginning, the, 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 the issue for us is to renew our minds, to think differently. Paul says in Romans 12, 12, 12 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We've got to think differently. And that renewing of our mind is known as repentance. It's known as change the way you think. So what we've got to do in order to step more fully into who God says we are is number one, we've got to recognize where the enemy is lying to us. We've got, to, we've got to pay attention to the lies he tells us. We've got to look out for them, the different thoughts we have that aren't quite accurate, the ways we respond to different situations that make us think, mm, I think I might be believing a lie there. Different things that come out of our mouths that we think, oh, I'm not sure that's actually true. The way we think about ourselves, whatever it is, we've got to recognize where our thinking is wrong and we've got to repent and we've got to change the way we think and we've got to come to God and say, Father, what's the truth? And then we've got to go on a journey of focusing on and being intentional about repeating that truth. You know, usually the process of transforming our minds isn't just, a, oh, that's a lie. This is the truth. I'm just going to believe that. Bish, bash, bosh. We're done. Usually it takes time because we've believed the lie for so long. Because we've believed the lie for so long, we've got to go on an intentional journey of going after the truth. We've got to repeat it. We've got to memorize it. We've got to look at ourselves in the mirror and speak the truth out over a period of time until our thinking begins to change. And you'll know that your thinking has changed because your behavior will change and the way that you speak will change. 
we've got to go after the truth. And sometimes we can just change the way we think and keep speaking the truth and we'll, we'll be changed. Sometimes the lies we believe are attached to pain from our past. And we've got to also deal with the pain and express the pain and the emotion of whatever's happened that the lies attached to before we can more fully step into the truth that God says about us. And I just want to finish with this before we pray. The reality is, this is all a work of the Spirit. So we can't try really hard to believe the truth. Yeah, there's, there's some work for us to do. We can get the truth. We can break agreement with the lies. We can unravel the lie, like I said at the beginning, the message, and try and work out, well, what am I actually called to because of the way the enemy is lying to me? We can process pain. We can do a sozo, get healing prayer. We can do all of that. But we also need the Holy Spirit to help us. And uh, it's all because of his grace. It all happens through revelation. And so I think I just encourage you to go on a journey of saying, Holy Spirit, would you fill me again today? Every, every morning, just say, Holy Spirit, would you fill me? Holy Spirit, would you give me revelation of the truth about who I am now that I'm in Christ? Would you show me what the truth is? And he will take you on a journey of increasingly stepping into the truth about your new nature in Christ so that so that you can be the light of the world, so that you can step into the fullness of what God has for you and live a life that points to him and glorifies him. Isn't that what we all want to do? I just want to take some time just to pray for us uh, right now. And uh, I just want to encourage you, maybe you want to stand, uh, kneel. You can stay seated if, seating if you wanted. But I just want to encourage you, maybe close your eyes and put your hands out. And just open yourself up to receive from God. And uh, I'm just going to take a moment to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. It's like I've given you some information, but what, what you really need is, is revelation and impartation right now. So just receive from God and I'm just going to pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, I just want to thank you so much for every woman in this room right now, everyone who's listening, uh, everyone who's responding. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would increase your presence right now. Holy Spirit, increase your presence right now, all around the room. I pray that you would come, spirit of wisdom and revelation. Would you come and bring revelation of the truth right now? right now come father come and do what only you can do god come and expose lies god come show us where we've been listening to lies and god i pray you'd empower us to take those lies and work out this is actually what i think i'm called to because this is what the enemy's going after come holy spirit fill us afresh with your love fill us with your truth Holy Spirit, bring revelation of who God is as our Father and who we are as beloved daughters. That truth in itself changes everything. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I'm just going to be led by God as I pray right now, but just keep enjoying him. Don't look at me. Keep focused on him. Um, he's, he's the answer for you right now. 
Father, I just want to thank you for all that you're doing. I just, I just feel like those of you who you know that actually you've been hiding, you, you probably have, haven't been hiding physically, although you may, have, you may have been, you may have been avoiding situations, but you've been hiding and you haven't fully stepped into who God's asking you to be or called you to be. I just want you to take a moment to repent. just want you to say, Father, I, I repent for hiding. I repent for shrinking back. I repent for not wanting to be seen. And I repent for listening to the lies above your truth. And I ask that you'd forgive me. Thank you, Father, that I'm called to be the light of the world. Help me to step into that, I pray. <laughs> Father, right now I just pray, would you bring fresh anointing for everyone who's prayed that. God, I pray for the season of hiding to be broken in Jesus' name. And instead for confidence to come. Confidence and faith to come in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Just keep focused on him. He's doing all sorts of things in all sorts of hearts. He knows exactly what you need. Come Holy Spirit, just let him come to you. I just wanna pray real quickly for those of you who, who know that actually there's, a, there's, a, there's some self-rejection in your heart. Uh, you're, you're, you'll be someone who, you're fearful of rejection. And uh, I've had to wrestle this through and still do at different points. And, God showed me a while back that actually the fear of rejection from other people actually comes from self-rejection because if you fully accepted yourself you wouldn't mind what other people think and so if that's you I just want to pray for you and Father I just pray for anyone who is wrestling with the fear of rejection and wrestling with self-rejection for no matter no matter why that is God through through parenting through abandonment or whatever it might be I just pray right now, Father, that you would break in with your spirit. I just command uh, any spirit of rejection to be broken off of people's lives in Jesus' name right now. I actually just feel like God's showing me that there's one person or a few people in the room who've been adopted. You were abandoned as a baby. And uh, I, I feel like the Father just particularly wants to minister to you. I just break the power of rejection off of people right now. Uh, I, I rebuke self-rejection and I just pray, Holy Spirit, let the acceptance of the Father rush in right now. Let the acceptance of the Father rush in right now. I just want to say to you, emotions are okay. It's really okay to feel emotion. If you need to express emotion, you just let it out. Emotion is a good thing. It's a gift from God. So come, Holy Spirit. Pray that you would replace rejection with acceptance right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Father. Just let him come to you. We're just going to linger a little bit longer. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you, Father, for your presence. Thank you for your presence, God. 
Thank you for your presence, God. Just I just really feel the peace of God, the intimacy of God right now. I just want to speak peace into every heart. I feel like that some of you have you're actually wrestling with anxiety and it's affecting your sleep and eating. Something to do with eating, some intolerances, or just just an issue with eating and. Father, I just pray, let your peace come right now. Prince of peace, would you break in? And would you come to every heart and every mind and every body in Jesus' name? I just speak to stomachs and digestive systems and I speak the peace of Jesus over you. And I speak to anxiety and I command you to be still now in Jesus' name. And Father, I just pray for my sisters that you would pour in your joy and lightness and excitement and faith for all that you've called them to. Father, I thank you that following you is the most amazing adventure we can be on. And so I just release more of your presence. Pray for peace, I pray for lightness. I pray for faith and excitement and I just pray for each and every one of you for a new season in God. A new season of a season in God where you step more fully into all that he's called you to be. Thank you, Father. Bless you all in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>